From tornadoes to hurricanes, blizzards, and everything in between, you're listening to the Stormfront Freaks podcast. The Stormfront Freaks are former television meteorologist Mark Massaro, atmospheric science graduate and Skywarn storm spotter Brady Harris, digital meteorologist and weather producer on the Weather Channel app Dina Knightley, former on-camera meteorologist at the Weather Channel Kim Cunningham, and I'm your announcer and Skywarn Network coordinator Mark Johnson. Now, here's the moderator of the Stormfront Freaks podcast, Skywarn storm spotter and chaser Phil Johnson. Hey, welcome everybody to the most entertaining weather podcast on your listening and viewing device. Uh, you're watching and listening to the Stormfront Freaks podcast. It's brought to you by Extreme Tornado Tours. They're the world's most popular storm chase tour company, and they are the exclusive chase tour of the Stormfront Freaks. Uh, the 2020 schedule uh, is now online, and actually seats are already starting to fill. And I think it has to do with all the storm activity we're getting right now, but uh, visit ExtremeTornadoTours.com to go ahead and make sure you get uh, get a seat and get all the details. If you happen to be a first-time listener this evening, uh, thanks for stopping by. Be sure to go to StormFrontFreaks.com, access our library of previous shows and famous guests from the weather industry like ABC's Ginger Z and the Weather Channel's Jen Carfagno. Tonight, we're recording episode 77 as part of our Coast to Coast with your favorite TV meteorologist series. Uh, we have got Denver's very own homegrown, uh, and and I get this, so KDVR31 and KWGN2. Mm-hmm. So she's not only on one, but she's on two stations. But <laughs> Jessica LaBelle is joining us tonight. So uh, <laughs> thanks for joining us, Jessica. Uh, we're also going to be playing, of course, our lightning round game with her. And we've got our exclusive tracker chat and tornado talk segments. Uh, and, of course... We'll finish with our infamous hashtag weatherfools and WX resources. So before we get to all of that, let's go ahead and introduce our co-host tonight. Uh, it's always happy hour when we record. And so uh, poning on up to the Stormfront Freaks Bar, I hope you join us. But I'm going to start with our intern up at Ohio State University, Morgan. What, uh, what are you drinking tonight? Well, currently I am sipping on that sweet, sweet LaCroix passion fruit. It's the flavor sweet, sweet of the night. And uh, no eventually, sugar, I'll break into um, the 5 a.m. Saint by Brewdog. He said more sugar. There's Zero no sugar. sugar no right? sugar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how's it okay, sweet? That's, that's sweet. Sweet, sweet false sweet, advertising. As in, like, as in false advertising. All so right. you did water and then beer? Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Beer before whiskey. <laughs> Very interesting. All right, I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to the the man that's also having dinner here while we're doing the show. But MJ, what what are you drinking with your fine dinner this evening? Thank you tonight. What's in Mark's refrigerator or MJ's refrigerator is Finnegan's Irish Ale. So we got that tonight. Oh, yeah. nice. Nice. I want to know nice what he's eating. Delicious. Me too. Mm-hmm. What are you eating? Corned beef. Taquitos. Ah. Taquitos. Okay. Frozen. I just had a tamale. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. there you go. There you go. I haven't had a tamale in years. <laughs> hey, you know it's uh, uh, Cinco de Mayo's coming up, so that's right. Today I graduate. All right, Maz. Oh. Maz, here we go. What are you drinking? Okay, so I'm not doing Lacroix tonight. I'm okay. doing Hanson's. I know it's still Lanto, so. oh, yeah, I got two more days or three more days. Hanson's sparkling since 1935 lime spark. It's actually pretty good. It's a. I don't know. There it is. Sorry. All right. So I don't know. It's good. Wait a minute. Good. Did you give up alcohol for Lent? Yes. Yeah, welcome to the show, Kim. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been gone since like? Wow. 
Well, Especially on that note, uh, Kim, it's on that note, what, yeah, what are you drinking? Thanks for, I thanks sure for coming back. I should alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> you were no, smart. No, 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 no. I quit giving up things for Lent. I do things for Lent instead. Like I switch you. over to wine. Oh, no, I, I'm drinking, um, I'm drinking Oak Grove. It's a, it's a red blend and I just bought this. And so I'm kind of tasting, see if I like it or not, but um, it's out of California. So it's good. Very That's good. Me. Red wine. All right. And then I know uh, Jessica is uh, in our virtual green room. Uh, what was in the fridge? What are, what are you drinking, Jessica? I got a canned Moscow mule. I don't have okay. the copper mug. Canned. I wish I did. It I looks copper. It looks like a copper can. Yeah. That's fair enough. I know. Isn't that fun that they made it that yes. way? That is kind of cool. All right. Well, what's, let's what's see. What's in there? Wait, what's, what's in, in a Moscow mule? Um, It's like ginger beer and vodka mm -hmm. with some oh, lime. Okay. Mm -hmm. Cool. That's cool. good. All right. Hey, Kim, yeah. yes. go, go ahead and, and uh, let, let everybody know about All Jessica. Right. Okay. Here we go. All right. So Jessica LaBelle is joining us here from Colorado. She's a meteorologist for KDVR 31. And as we heard, also for KWGN2 out of Denver. Now, she's a meteorologist um, for both of these stations. Um, it's her native state. She was mm -hmm. uh, born in Denver, Colorado, um, and after stints in Grand Junction and Colorado Springs, she returned to Denver in 2017. Now, she earned a bachelor's degree in atmospheric science from the University of Kansas with an emphasis in news media forecasting. That's so cool they put those things together. You know, yeah. I, I think, Jessica, that that, for, especially for somebody in television, I mean, this is the best way to go. So let me ask you this. What made you choose... Um, University of Kansas versus, let's say, somewhere in Colorado? Oh, great question. So CU and CSU don't have undergrad meteorology programs. So okay. I knew I wanted a big state school. I wanted uh, the big college sports, the whole experience. So I looked at schools around the area um, that were close, and KU was one of them. I toured University of Nebraska. Um, yes. I applied to Mizzou. <laughs> <laughs> and when I went to KU, I just fell in love with it. It's only about a nine-hour drive from me here in Denver. Um, the atmospheric science program there is very small. I only graduated with about eight people. But oh my I loved goodness. it. I know. And in the heart of really Tornado Alley, that's something I also really loved. So um, I really enjoyed my time there. It's a beautiful oh. campus. Oh, gorgeous. I, yeah. I went there, I think, in the fall, and it was oh. just fantastic. They have the fountains going, and um, everything was just really beautiful. And so, yeah, I'm really happy I chose that. Oh, that's awesome. Did you chase when you were out there? Yes. So a lot of kids, it was very common for us to ask our teacher to get out a few minutes early yeah. to go chase. Um, I only went a few times. We usually went down towards the Wichita area um, to chase some storms. But yeah, that was very popular for a lot of kids that went to school there. And really most of the kids I graduated with were from Kansas. So okay. um, they kind of grew up even through high school being interested in weather and chasing. Um, it was just a matter of who was going to risk their car. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, if you, if you graduated with eight people, was there an AMS chapter there for a student chapter? So or? there was, yeah, it was very oh, cool. small. Um, there was about 20 of us, I think, through all the oh. grades that were in this AMS chapter. And I think something that's really cool and I think unique about my graduating class was there was only one male and all the rest of us were females, which I thought was really cool. That's I'm sure really he did cool. too. <laughs> wow that's that's how oh, we've come such a long way it makes me really happy i know i was yeah, like I the I only female 
Yeah, I know. And that's what a lot of people tell me um, back in the day. You know, it wasn't popular for women to go into this. But what I saw going through school is I think it's really changing. And it was fun to have a lot of female classmates. You know, we all did our homework together and um, just really could relate to one another as a woman in science. Uh, so it was really, really great. Now, were all of them wanting to go into broadcasting or were some of no, them going to different directions? No, only a few of us. Yeah, one, one gal did hydrometeorology. So KU was really interesting because they had these different like emphasis majors that you could choose. So I did the emphasis in media forecasting. Um, so basically to graduate, I had to take a reporting class, a media writing class, and then just a class about how to find out information because I knew I wanted to go the more broadcast route. Uh, we had an air pollution one, we had a hydrometeorology one. Um, so there were all these different groups that you could choose from. And then I think we just had a general meteorology one. So really okay. all of us went in different directions, which is really cool to see now. Oh, I bet. So one of the questions we always ask everybody is, <clears throat> so why meteorology? Why'd you decide? What is it that something that happened in your life that made you mm -hmm. decide to go into weather? So the one event for me that I can think of growing up that made me realize how cool weather really is was the blizzard of 2003. I don't know if you guys have heard of that one, mm -hmm. um, but in Denver, it dropped about three feet of snow at my parents' house. So I grew up in Littleton, which is uh, sort of on the south side of Denver. It's about 20 minutes from downtown. And we had two weeks of spring break. So I was in elementary school then, and I remember one week we had spring break, and then the blizzard was the next week, and we didn't have school for a whole week because that's how much it kind of shut down the city. And of course, in Denver, it snows quite a bit, so we have the resources to be able to clear out snow, but that's just how, how devastating that storm was, is it really shut everything down for about a week. Um, but as a kid during that storm, it was a lot of fun. We didn't have to go to school. Yeah. We were able to you know, build snow forts and dig each other out to our neighbor's house so we could play with the other kids in the neighborhood. But I remember thinking, this is unbelievable, and I've never seen anything like this. So that was kind of the first event for me that I really um, realized how cool weather was and how impactful it could be. And it's funny now looking back on it because snow is definitely my favorite thing to forecast. It's my favorite thing to be out in our storm chasing truck in. Um, so I am just a huge snow lover and maybe it traces back to that event and having a lot of snow days growing up. But uh, that was the one, one event. And then when I got to high school, I just realized, you know, I love math and science. So I wanted to choose something where I was doing something in those fields and it just seems like the right fit for me. So I never looked back. Yeah. You, nice. you guys have a storm chasing truck? Yes. So we call it our pinpoint weather beast, which is really fun <laughs> because nice. we're like, hey, we're going out in the beast. And that's how we talk about it on air. Um, like, hey, I'm live in the beast tonight and we can go live from inside the truck, which is really cool. So if I'm out on the plains of Colorado chasing severe thunderstorms and there's lightning around, I can be live inside the car, which is great. Yeah. Um, so we don't have to kill our live shots just because there's a lightning threat or something like that. But it is this huge Chevy Silverado that's lifted a little bit and they decked it out and it actually growls like a beast. Um, so we bring <laughs> yeah, that. That's it's, scary. it's so much fun. It is so much fun. <laughs> People are scared of it. They think. I'm scared to drive it. A lot of viewers. Oh, you drive it? I don't. I've driven it in a parking lot one time for like a promo shoot. <laughs> yeah. I'm too scared. It's too big. Is that um, where the accident happened? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, we bring it to schools a lot and kids love the truck. Um, so that's really, I mean, a lot of people know our station because they know about the beast. <laughs> oh, that is so cool. Does yeah, it really so grow? So, <laughs> hey, it does. Yeah. Jessica, oh what? Tell, tell people what's the secret 
to being able to get your your first jobs in your home state and now your home city? Well, I mean, that's what's the secret? Share the wealth. Yeah, great question. Um, so I'm still a little bit shocked that I even made it home to Denver. I feel very, very thankful to be here. I love Colorado with my whole heart. Um, it's my home state and it was my goal to make it to Denver really when I started in this industry. And the best advice I can give to people, especially going through school and going the broadcast route is just to network. Um, so I, I reached out to Denver meteorologists. I was able to go shadow them. Um, I had actually shadowed at every single station except mine before I got hired at Fox uh, in the city beforehand, just reaching out to meteorologists. And they all were so generous to me when I was a student. Um, I just wanted to ask them questions and uh, see what their job is like and see what being a meteorologist in Denver really was like. Um, and I ended up meeting a guy at a school career fair that was actually for the journalism department that I decided to go to. And um, he put me in contact with the news director in Grand Junction. And I knew that I was going to have to start probably in a smaller town. So I just reached out and that's how I got started there. And I was extremely lucky The the television station I was working for in Grand Junction in Colorado Springs, um, they didn't really do contracts for a lot of their just reporters and, and newer, younger people. Um, so when I was ready to move on from Colorado Springs, I went to, or should I say Grand Junction, um, I went to Colorado Springs knowing that there would be a lot more weather. So the Western Slope, it's, I mean, it's, it's very deserty and there's not a whole lot of severe weather. Um, there is some snow. Occasionally we'll get a severe thunderstorm or two, but it's definitely a lot crazier on the front range. So I knew I wanted to make it over to this side of the Rockies. Uh, as fast as I could. And, and when I got to Colorado Springs, I really learned how crazy the weather is here in Colorado. <laughs> did you did you visit the Air Force Academy? Of course. Yeah, it's uh, gorgeous. I went to yeah. a football game. It's amazing. Yeah. The Thunderbirds would fly over all the time. That's one of the things I miss most about Colorado Springs That's cool. is all of the jets that were training. We'd be out and about and they would just be flying and, oh. and practicing and the Thunderbirds would fly overhead. So that's one of the things I miss most about it. Oh, you're so lucky. Gosh. So when you were when you were shadowing at the Denver stations, you were basically amassing information, all their secrets. So when you finally got back there. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, I just asked, you know, I, w I wanted them to keep it real with me and and really let me know what it's like to be a real broadcast meteorologist. And I think it's cool because I'm sort of on that other side now as a broadcast meteorologist and I get to do a lot of the school outreach for my station. And I do a lot of career days at middle schools. So I get to in turn tell kids, you know, what it's really like to be a broadcast meteorologist, just like those mentors and uh, other meteorologists in Denver did for me when I was going through school. So it's really cool to be on the other side of it, but they were all so, so generous. And um, as you guys know, it's a small tight knit community. Mm -hmm. So I feel like when someone finds out you're going into meteorology, they want to do anything they can to help you in your journey. And I think that's really awesome. So what, what's the kind of advice you can give young people that are trying to break into meteorology today? Um, now you said you're on the other side. So what, mm -hmm. what are you, what kind of information are you passing along? So one of the big things, and I think a lot of people don't realize how much this can play into broadcast meteorology is you just have to have a thick skin. You know, you're going to have consultants telling you uh, what they want you to do. You're going to have bosses telling you how you should do things. But more importantly, you're going to have mean viewers who are going to tell you what they think of your hair and your clothes and how you pronounced a word and whatever it may be. And they're calling the station, they're emailing the station. Uh, and I didn't really realize how much flack people on TV get until I was in the industry. So 
I think just warning them about that and just also letting them know we're not perfect. We're just normal humans. We're going to mess up our words sometimes. Uh, we're going to, you know, be looking at the wrong camera when the camera's on us. There's all these little things that can go wrong in a newscast, but you just have to learn to brush it off and just know that you're a normal human and, and hopefully people will accept that. So you mess up. What, what's the worst thing you've ever said on the air? Oh, goodness. I don't think I've said anything super bad. Uh, I remember one morning. <laughs> here's a story. Uh, I was filling in for the morning guy. And actually, since I started in this business, I've been the weekend meteorologist. So I'm never used to working mornings when I have to fill in. And I remember it was our 4.30 a.m. hit. And I was trying to say carbon copy. And I said copy carbon. And I was like, <laughs> wait a second. And I remember that moment because I paused and I was like, you know what? It's 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> I can't yeah. quite get my thoughts together just yet. That, that's uh, nothing. That's You got to yeah, say, really, like, that's pretty <laughs> mild. Don't, if you're going to say <laughs> warm air mass, don't drop air. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That would be man, that. Man, I've said that. And I said it all, man. That's hilarious. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I one time was yeah. um, on the desk in Grand Junction, and I'm terrified of spiders. And we were doing the tag at the end of my weather forecast, and there was a spider on its web coming down in front of my face, maybe a few inches from it. No. Yeah. And I, I was debating and I was newer at this point. I'd only been in the industry a few months. So you know how when you first start out, you think yeah. you have to ignore everything that's happening and, and yeah. just keep going on. So that's what I did. But it, it dropped on the desk in front of us and it was huh. crawling around. So I remember looking back at the hit and I kept following it with my eyes. And I, yeah. I, I looked kind of concerned, like I had really wide eyes and I was definitely concerned about something, but I never brought it up to the viewers. But I think now I would say something, oh, there's a spider, you know, look at that. Um, yeah. The viewers would be able to relate more, but. <laughs> that is so true, Jessica, so true. Cause you do that. I remember the same thing at the Weather Channel. And I mean, we had, we've had squirrels in the studio. We've had uh, birds in the studio, spiders, oh, flies, bees, wasps, everything in there. <laughs> because the people see it. Absolutely. And when they're alive, they see what's going on. And if you ignore it, they're like, how can you ignore that? There's a, there's right. a spider right in front right. of your face. Exactly. So I, um, with you it's like you just acknowledge it and move on oh so and you funny. ignore it so jessica it. what's the what's the most nervous you've been on air what what's the the moment that uh oh that's a good question you had the sweaty mm. palms and the you, you were done and you totally couldn't remember what you even just said and... <laughs> oh goodness um Let's see. We had we had a few wildfires start uh, when I was down in Colorado Springs, and you know it was always a panic at first to get on air, and we would do a cut in for it because um, obviously in Colorado Springs there was the Waldo Canyon fire and the Black Forest fire. So anytime there is a wildfire down in that area, people are a little bit anxious about it and they want to know what's going on. So uh, we try to alert the public as fast as possible. So I remember being. Uh, in our newsroom and, and these fires would break out and our news director would just say, all right, get on air right now. And it, it's at the moment where you don't know any information about the fire. And I remember that happening several times and you're just like, okay, well, I'm talking about this wildfire. Here it is. We don't know how big it is. We don't know what caused it. Um, but you're just kind of up there talking until your news director lets you know that you don't need to talk anymore. So I would say situations like that, that are just kind of out of the blue and you don't have all the information that you want. Um, I've been in a few blizzards where 
uh, we're in the car and we can't see a few feet in front of us. Mm-hmm. And it gets to the point where I'm like, okay, we're, we're going to pull over here because, you know, we're not safe. Um, it doesn't necessarily make me scared or, or nervous. Were you on the air at the say, time? Uh, there has been like, situations, yeah. Okay, okay. Because we can go live in our pinpoint weather beast. So there's been okay. times where we're like, okay, we're, we're going to pull over. Um, there was one time, and obviously that truck is is something we use a lot for marketing at our station. And we were trying to chase down some hail damage. And there was this big hailstorm. It was last year in Aurora, Colorado, and they had tennis ball sized hail that was just smashing out everyone's windshields. And I'm sure you guys have seen some of the, the hailstorms we've seen here in Colorado. They're pretty devastating. And we were taking the pinpoint weather beast to go find some of the damage to get it on air. Cause we were, we were interrupting whatever show was on and doing a live cut in. And all of a sudden we had a, a tennis ball sized hailstone drop on our windshield and just crack it all the way across. And I remember them tossing to me right after that. And I just was like, I am so sorry. We cracked the windshield of the beast. We're trying to get out of this storm and find the damage. Yeah. That was one of the situations where I'm like, am I in trouble? (laughs) Like, I don't want to damage our beast. We need to get south. (laughs) Are you call, are you calling it the pinpoint weather beast or pimped out weather? (laughs) I wish pimped out, but it's pinpoint. No spinners. Team brand. Okay. All right. Hey, no, but it's pretty pimped out. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask a couple questions. So, Maz, what when you go to your phone to like look up the weather for the day? What what app are you looking at? I actually use Weather Underground. Okay, Kim. What about you? What what's your what's your go to daily? Um, my go to is Weather Channel. Okay, so here here's the point. I already talked to people. There's two different options. There's a ton of choices out there, and and you probably ask yourself why the heck would anybody make a new weather app with, exactly. with all the different apps out there? So I'm telling you, you only ask that question because you haven't tried Atmosphere Weather. Uh, Atmosphere Weather, it's all about presenting your entire daily forecast each hour on one screen around a 24-hour clock. And now uh, on Android and iOS, uh, if you're a baseball fan, you can view each day's game time right on the hourly weather dial. And if it looks good, you can also order tickets to the game right from the app. Isn't that cool? So if if it looks good, weather looks good, I can just click a button right there and you can uh, get your tickets right from the app. So uh, you got to try to believe it. Stop what you're doing right now. Pause the podcast and download Atmosphere Weather. It's now on iOS and Android. There's a full featured free trial. Then there's a basic version that's free once the trial's over. So trust me, guys. Uh, follow follow the freaks and search Atmosphere Weather in your app store, or you can visit atmosphereweather.com. So we're going to go ahead and take a short break. Uh, go ahead and refill your drink and check out Tracker Chat with the Tornado Trackers. They're now discussing part three of the tornado events that have shaped them, and we'll uh, we'll be right back. Welcome to Tracker Chat, the podcast within a podcast. Uh, we are the Tornado Trackers. My name is Jeremy Heyman, and I'm joined by my chasing partners, Gabe Cox and Jeff Mangum. Over the last few weeks, we've been talking about the tornado events that shaped each of us individually into the storm chasers today. Uh, Jeff started us out off with uh, 1997's Gerald Texas F5 tornado. Uh, Gabe 
then followed up the week after with the May 3rd, 1999 Oklahoma City tornado in a tornado uh, that he shared us with us. It was the, the, the infamous EF0. Was it in Jacksonville? Was that right, Gabe? Yeah, downtown Jacksonville. Yes, yes. And there's a great video on our YouTube page of, of Gabe's vantage point there. He's very good video. Yeah, literally underneath the rotation. It's incredible. Uh, I need to uh, make a disclaimer there. I shared my story without saying that that is not proper tornado safety. Um, and <laughs> don't copy what I did. Yeah, there I said it. <laughs> but enjoy the video. Great, great uh, color in the in the sky there in that video beautiful blue well this week um the the tornado event that shaped my life was the 2004 hallam nebraska tornado at the time it was the widest tornado ever recorded um yeah i was about 16 or 17 at the time i spent a ton of time out in the country with my friends back in those days so i lived in lincoln nebraska which isn't a huge town but for Nebraska it is. Um, but I would, a lot of my friends live south of Lincoln. And so we would spend a lot of afternoons out at their houses, playing in the country. Um, so it was May 22nd, smack dab in the middle of, uh, the, the chase season. And, um, I just remember the atmosphere being electric that day. Like now I know that the atmosphere was arranging itself in a certain way that was conducive to a tornado, but, uh, it was literally electric, it felt like. Um, and I remember driving back up into Lincoln, leaving my friend's house that day, and got the tornado warning uh, in the car. And we just kind of, we booked it into Lincoln. Um, I love Jeff and Gabe's stories because it really illustrates how how brave they were. <laughs> and uh, I was not brave at all. Like I was a very scared, anxious kid and just freaked out by the reality of tornadoes and thunderstorms. Um, and so we, we kind of booked it back into town and the tornado touched down around seven, seven thirty, and cut a extremely long path, um, going Northeast, kind of the classic tornado path, um, and reached F force, uh, wind speeds at the time. We weren't using the enhanced scale at the time. Um, but it, it, of note, um, the tornado hit, um, my friend's school. So it was oh. Nor- Norris school. It was, uh, it's this, um, K through 12. Um, so there's like an elementary, a junior high and a high school. And it, in particular hit the middle school, um, really severely. And I remember driving by the next day and and seeing the damage and just kind of being in awe of, um, what that, that could do, but that really, it it put it, uh, it made it personal for me, I think, um, because my friends were affected by it. And I, I don't know if I had known anyone affected personally by severe weather at the time. And so it really, uh, it really impacted me, um, significantly. Um, what else? Uh, interestingly, Reed Timmer was on this tornado. He has a great video on YouTube um, chasing chasing that storm. Um, but yeah, I that this was this was the tornado that kind of touched my life um, and and really put me in a in a mode to to think about being around storms like this more often in my future. And uh, meeting Jeff and Gabe obviously was um, kind of the the beautiful fruition <laughs> of that as well. So. Yeah, Hallam, Nebraska, um, May 22nd, 2004. At the time, the widest tornado. I believe it got about two and a half miles wide. Um, okay. And now it has, it's been usurped by 
the infamous El Reno, Oklahoma um, tornado. So, so pretty, pretty infamous uh, group to be in. I will say this, Jeremy, you mentioned that you were kind of timid and you were running away from the tornado. Everyone should know that Jeremy is no longer timid. uh, And we have footage from Winniewood and Hugo to prove that he was a beast (laughs) behind the wheel. Uh, driving full on towards those crazy tornadoes and you should watch it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it swung kind of in the opposite direction, <laughs> which is which is funny. It's funny for my family too because they obviously all know the who I was as a little kid and so they're all kind of, I don't know, I think they're all a bit still in shock that <laughs> I hang out with you guys. Well, thanks guys so much. Um, this has been Tracker Chat, uh, the podcast within a podcast. We are the Tornado Trackers. You can find us all over social media at Tornado Trackers. Uh, I think we're a pretty good follow everywhere. And tornadotrackers.org. Uh, we will be with y'all next week. This has been Tracker Chat. See you later. Felicity.co is the leader in weather-themed clothing and accessories for the Stormfront Freak and you. Besides a creative line of weather-themed t-shirts, footwear, bags, and more, they also carry an exclusive line of Stormfront Freak's podcast gear and drinkware. Get a 5% discount on your entire order when you use the code SFF for Stormfront Freaks at checkout. That code again is SFF. Find it all at Helicity.co. Hey, welcome back. So we're, we're with Denver meteorologist Jessica LaBelle. And, and so, Jessica, my, my question I want to start off with you is what now that you said you've gotten to the other side of the Rockies, you're in Denver, you've got more severe weather. What mm-hmm. What's your station? I should say stations. Uh, and I might ask you about that later as well. But what's what's your philosophy on severe weather? How do you guys handle it? Do you go live the whole time there's something within your dma are you uh, kind of how are you interrupting programming and all that mm-hmm. so yeah interesting question so here in denver we try to cover weather for the whole state um there are a few areas obviously that colorado springs and grand junction cover that we don't reach um but the majority of the state we do try to broadcast for so there's about nine counties that we have kind of up and down the front range that are more populated um, where if there's a tornado warning or something like that, we're going to be on the air to let people know. Um, obviously it does depend if we have, you know, NFL football on a Thursday night, we may just, Mm -hmm. you know, run the crawl and cut into commercial time, but, um, it really does depend on population. It's so interesting to work on the front range because you have all these cities, you know, Fort Collins, Boulder, Denver, down to Colorado Springs that are pretty populated. And then you get out onto the Eastern Plains And there's not a ton of people that live out that direction. So we're constantly trying to figure out, um, you know, how many people are under the threat. But really, no matter where it is, if we know there's a confirmed tornado on the ground, we're going to be on the air. Um, So we just kind of evaluate what show is on, how big the threat is. um, And then we really take into account for those nine kind of metro counties is what we call it. Um, And then 
what's interesting about the front range is it's not just tornadoes that we would cut in for. Um, we can have burn scar flooding that becomes uh, pretty dangerous. Um, obviously, our hailstorms have been a very big one since I've been in Denver. Um, we have seen hailstorms completely destroy um, house windows, all the windows on cars, car dealerships. Um, really once a year we get a, get a big storm like that across the metro. So that is something that we will be carrying people through, you know, for an hour or two on air until the threat passes. So um, do you, do you go into like Western Kansas or any Nebraska or anything like that? Um, we have heard that some of, let's say Southwestern Nebraska or mm. even Southern Wyoming can get some of our channels. Um, but we don't necessarily, we'll, we'll travel or show something in Cheyenne, let's say, because it's a little bit more populated, especially like Cheyenne Frontier Days, which is a big country music festival. A lot of our people are traveling up there um, to go listen to the music. So that's something that we will cover that area and just kind of let people know what's going on. But certainly if there's tornadoes really anywhere around the state, we're talking about it and showing people just because it's impacting, you know, someone and it's close to our state. So people probably have heard about it. What, what's with those two channels? So obviously you're not the first person we had in that situation, but mm -hmm. explain that. And then my question is, do you see this being the trend where stations are consolidating those uh, resources? Yeah, great question. So yeah, my first station actually in Grand Junction was a duopoly. It was KKCO and KJC. Duopoly, I love was... that game. Yeah, duopoly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that's what we, I guess, call it here in the industry. But um, ABC and NBC were the affiliates I worked for in Grand Junction, and this one is CW and Fox. So it's very interesting to work for two stations because a lot of people will get viewer questions like, hey, I saw you were on both channels tonight. Did you, did you have to drive far to go to the other station? Mm -hmm. uh, but we're all under one roof. So the two studios are right next to each other. Most of the on-air talent, we're really on both stations. Um, so when people ask which channel I work for, you know, I say both because I'm absolutely on both. So we have different newscasts. The only ones that are overlapping and at the same time is the two morning shows on either station. Um, but in the evening, we have a 4 p.m. on our Channel 2, and then we'll have a 5 p.m. on Fox 31, and then a 7 p.m. on Channel 2, and then 9.10 on Fox, and then an 11 p.m. on Channel 2. Don't you I ever get say, confused? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it happens. Um, we have a lot of reporters that will, you know, accidentally start tagging out on one, or um, sometimes we'll just say, you know, Lot reporting live for Fox 31 and Channel 2, and people kind of know that we're, you know, together as one. Um, and all of our jackets and branding and stuff have both stations on it. So it's really interesting to have uh, the two different sides. And um, I will say it gets kind of crazy because we have a lot of newscasts, more than you would normally have at just one channel. So mm -hmm. if people are out of town, you know, you're going back to back to back to back on newscasts, um, which can get pretty, pretty crazy, but it does make the day fly by. Kim, it's so, like you, Kim. You work in yeah. basically it's 24 hours constantly on the air. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. almost like that. And then, Phil, to answer your question about um, really stations consolidating, I, I do think that it's possible, especially in different regions, that a lot of newscasts broadcast out of um, one station. And I, I do think that's kind of where things are going. And I think um, a lot of the bigger cities are going to be where a lot of these smaller um cities are going to broadcast from they just have a lot more of the resources and it's going to be really interesting to see you know 10 20 years down the road what happens but i do see that becoming more of a trend that's how they get away from not having to pay you twice 
Exactly. <laughs> yeah. True. I mean, it's definitely no, money's driving this. Mm. Absolutely. Any radio they, stations? Yes. So we do um, weather actually for, I would say, a good five to 10 stations across the state. Um, so when we come in, we are, and so it'll be like more of a broad group that owns a couple of stations and we'll just record one hit, but we do them for the mountains, the Southeastern plains. Um, we have a Northern mountain group, a Southern mountain group, um, a Northern front range group, a Northeastern plains, and then we'll do it for here in the Metro. So when we get in, we're forecasting for the whole state right away for our radio hits. That's like country and Western. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, we're talking to people who live in the mountains. We're talking to people on the Southeastern Plains. And then we're also trying to relate and talk to people who live up and down the Metro. So it's a pretty interesting mix. Now what, for like what, two, oh, go ahead, for, um, two different stations, because we have something like that in Columbus where like Fox 28 and ABC mm -hmm. six are the same thing, basically. Do they produce the same? Like, I'm sure the weather's exactly the same, because why would it be different? But like, do they produce the same news content or is there like something slightly different? I'm sure like the morning shows since they're different shows are different, but you know, great question. How is that? <laughs> yeah. So a lot of our reporters, when they're out working on a story, if it's like a big package or something, um, they can kind of do a little bit of a different angle for the other station. Um, sometimes obviously if we're in a time crunch, it's the same content. Um, and what's been really interesting is to work for a weather team that has two stations and, our big goal is to keep the message really consistent between the two of them. So not only are we forecasting, you know, for ourselves and to broadcast out to our viewers, but we have to work with the other meteorologist who say is doing the channel two morning show. If I'm working the Fox morning show and we really need to communicate with each other on, okay, so what is going to be our range for snowfall totals? What do you think the high is going to be tomorrow? Uh, and that's certainly been something we've had to work out as a team and just kind of work together and, and make it one consistent message. So if people are watching Fox or they're watching Channel 2, they're getting the same weather forecast. Can I ask why not have just one? I mean, why have two if everything's pretty much the same? Yeah, that's a good question. You I know? think they really like to have the the exciting, you know, only seen on Fox. You know how they'll run those stories yeah. that, are, that are specials or um, only seen at 9 p.m. tonight or, or new at 9. Um, so they really try to pick or choose. A lot of the content is the same, I will say, but there's certain stories that they will save um, for either a specific channel or a specific newscast. And maybe it's an anchor, you know, doing a special project that works more on one side than the other, then they'll be more likely to run it on that specific side. But um, I mean, it's most of the content is the same because the reporters are reporting for both sides. So what, what are you doing, Jessica, personally to try and stay ahead of the, the TV news curve? and TV broadcasting and, and cause you know, they're consolidating They're they're that medium as far as people watching on TV mm -hmm. is changing. So what yeah. I want to know is personally, obviously it's, you sound like you're obviously well aware of that. What are you doing personally to make sure you're kind of staying ahead of that? Yeah. Great question. Uh, really focusing on, on digital outlets. Uh, social media has been really big for me not only me and my station, um, they've really pushed us kind of, uh, getting our weather information out that way. Do they have um, a so requirement? Really, I'm going to quick interrupt. Do, you, do they have a requirement social media wise for you? Um, not necessarily, okay. but we do have a certain system where they can kind of see how we're doing. So they will check in with us and um, we try to set goals for ourselves to be at, you know, a certain point by the end of the year or whatever it may be. So um, we're always trying to push ourselves to 
really connect with people more that way. And I have found, I mean, more viewers are asking me about, you know, Facebook lives or an Instagram story where I was posting snowfall totals than I ever get just doing a newscast and people emailing after. So I've really found that's been my way to connect with viewers. And I think a lot more um, of the content is going to be available online than it will be on TV because people, you know, they're not stopping their lives these days to watch the 6 p.m. newscast. (laughs) So, you know, teachers these days have Mm -hmm. to take their laptops home and they almost have to stay online for the kids to ask questions till 10 o'clock do you find that with radio and social media it's it's not an eight hour day it's just like all the time for you or what um i will say it it depends on the weather so if i know it's going to be a big severe weather day or if i know there's a blizzard coming um in the next day or two i'm definitely going to be paying attention to my social media more i'm going to be posting information out to people even when i'm not at work Um, but i think it is important for people to sort of step away from work when they're not at work Mm -hmm. and to kind of have that time away and i i try to set aside a time or two at least uh each each week where i don't have my phone and i'm not on instagram and you know maybe it's picking one day a week where i'm not posting on social media um, and obviously if, if the weather's going to be crazy, that may change, but, um, I think it's really important to separate those two things. Sometimes your future kids will appreciate that. Just <laughs> That's right. Oh, good. <laughs> All right. So what do you do for fun? What's your, what are your hobbies? Okay. Well, being in Colorado, I ski, which is a lot of fun. Of I yeah. love it. When I lived in Kansas, I was, I was kind of sad because I didn't have ski areas, but every winter break, we would plan a trip to go to Colorado and ski. Um, and then I do some hiking around the area. Uh, I watched college basketball, obviously, going to KU. Yeah. Big KU oh. basketball fan. Of course. <laughs> so, so related to that, one of our one of the viewers uh, says, can, can you pick a favorite Colorado town or area? Oh, that's tough. Oh, man. I would have to say Vail, Colorado is my mm. favorite town in the state. Okay. Um, I grew up skiing there, so I have a lot of memories there. Uh, I think it's very, very beautiful, the architecture. It's very, like, European-esque. Um, I think the skiing is fantastic there. I, I believe it's the largest ski area in the state. Um, so I always enjoy my time there. There's a lot of cool restaurants. Um, there's some nightlife there. So it's it's a pretty cool mountain town. I'd have to say that's my favorite. And then I also love the Broadmoor Hotel in Colorado Springs. If anyone comes to Colorado, Morgan, <laughs> I, yeah, recommend, yeah. <laughs> I recommend taking a visit. It's so cool. I'm super cool. excited. There's so much stuff to do out there. Yeah. So much. Oh, <laughs> more, way more in Ohio, you know. Here, I'll say this. Oh. Uh, Morgan, I hope you like being outside because one of the things I was looking up for the lightning round was trying to find like top 10 uh, most popular places in Colorado. And it was all <laughs> parks, outside parks and, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, so I hope you like outside. I do like outside. Good. I like to climb. Colorado is a good climbing oh, place. Yeah. yeah. Yes. You're coming to the right place. Yeah. Good. I, know. I know. That's why I chose it. Yeah. All right. So, hey, Jessica, <laughs> how, how can our listeners find you and follow you on social media and stalk yes. you if they're not already? <laughs> oh, oh, no. Wow. So, most of my stuff is uh, Jessica Lavelle WX. So, if you just search that in Instagram, Twitter, or yeah. Facebook, you'll be able to find my page. You just, you just freaked out her mom right there, like, no, don't. Yeah. Wow. No. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's. She was obviously explaining the challenges yeah. with. I'm saying you, you freaked out my mom when you mentioned severe weather in Colorado. She just found out <laughs> that they got tornadoes out there. She's oh no, yeah. 
It's pretty rare. I think she's right. No. Everyone's mom. Like, and Maz, mom, Maz, Maz the only I'll say Maz, the only reason people never stalked you is because there was no social media when you were on the air. So That's right. you, just, you were able to avoid we, that. We had stone tablets and we chiseled, <laughs> so it you know it took longer. <laughs> All that's right. That's such a weird we really did. <laughs> oh, hey, that uh, that's the sound. It is time for our lightning round, Jessica. This is our game show of flashy questions for our guest. Uh, we invite everybody to play along, including you that happen to be listening uh, tonight. So I told you I was trying to do a little research on this um, tonight. What what we're gonna do? I'm gonna I'm gonna call this. I don't know what to call this because um, I'm just gonna call it Colorado or Arizona. Okay. Pretty boring title, but so here's here, I should have come up with a better one, but here's what it is. Okay, I looked up fil- uh, movies that were filmed in its entirety or partially in Colorado. Okay, and then I also looked up, I, I tried to make this interesting. I'm like, well, it's got to be a state, you know, it can't be Colorado or Florida because it'd be too easy to understand. So it's Colorado or Arizona. So I'm going to give you the name of two movies. One was filmed in Colorado. One was filmed in Arizona. You have to tell me which movie was filmed in Colorado. Colorado. Does that make sense? Ooh, sounds tough. And as we play the lightning round, the freaks are always welcome to, to encourage you if, if they think they know or, or uh, you certainly can ask. But none of them live in Colorado or Arizona, so I don't know how much help you're going to get. And, yeah. and Morgan hasn't been there quite yet. <laughs> so here we go. You ready? I'm ready. All right, so here's the first one. I'm going to give you two movies. One is Tombstone from 1993. The other is The Lone Ranger. Disney's The Lone Ranger from 2013. One was Colorado and one was filmed in Arizona. Which was Colorado? I'm going to say The Lone Ranger. You would be correct. It was The Lone Ranger was filmed in Colorado. All right, we're on a roll. Did you just raise the roof? here we go next one uh mr and mrs smith uh 2005 Ooh. film or jerry Maguire, a 1996 film uh one was filmed in colorado one arizona which one was colorado how about jerry Maguire? jerry Maguire. that Aww. that would be incorrect it was uh mr and mrs smith wow. so that was uh brad pitt and uh Joel, uh yeah, angelina. angelina yes yeah. Yeah. See, they're already they're already out of the news. I don't even remember the names anymore. Wow. Okay, if you are a sci-fi fan, you have to tell me which of these was filmed in Colorado. It was either Independence Day, or it was Star Trek: First Contact. Independence Day was a '96 film. So was Star Trek: First Contact. I've never seen either of those. Uh, so you're not <laughs> a sci-fi fan. Independence okay, Day. Oh, yeah, that's a great movie. Um, we just lost a couple think? of the moms listening to us. What do you think, Freaks? <laughs> yeah. Which one I was think Colorado? Independence Day was Colorado. Okay, we'll I, go with Independence Day. Independence Day. Contact. Oh, that was correct. That was, you should have you should have zipped it before. before yeah, you're you, right. Sir. Sir, okay, <laughs> moving on. We got a couple comedies. Couple comedies here. Spaceballs, 1987 oh, film, which gosh. which you probably don't remember. And Dumb and Dumber, which is a 1994 film. You probably weren't born during any of these, oh, but man. Spaceballs or Dumb and Dumber? Oh, was. Oh, one was Colorado, one was Arizona. Think about Ooh. one of the scenes in Dumb and Dumber. It could not be Arizona. <laughs> yeah, it's Dumb and Dumber, for sure. Wow. Very, very good. Good job, Kim. <laughs> Remember his yeah. good job. tongue got stuck on, on the, the pole or something? Yep. 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 Good job. That's That's right. Good job, Kim. Remember the that most makes... annoying sound that you've ever heard? Remember that? I won't do it now. But... Okay. Moving on to another couple comedies. These are older ones. 
Uh, we've got City Slickers, 1991. And we have Three Amigos, 1986. Good Lord. Oh, is there Colorado. Do you even know those two movies? City Slickers? Never seen either of those. <laughs> City Slickers, uh, you would be correct. Yeah. That is correct. All right. Good movie. movie. So we're on that one. Couple, couple action films. Ready for a couple action films? Yeah. Uh, Die Hard 2 mm. from 1990 or Days of Thunder 1990. Mm. So Die Hard, Bruce Willis, Days of Thunder, Tom Cruise. Who was in Colorado? I'm going to say Days of Thunder. Days of Thunder. <laughs> that would be incorrect. You were on a roll there. Die Hard was uh, <laughs> filmed in Colorado. Uh, adventure. Here we got some adventure movies. Star Wars Return of the Jedi, 1983, or Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade in 1989. One was filmed in Colorado. One was filmed in Arizona. Ooh. What do you think? Yeah, I think Star Wars. Indiana Jones, I picture like desert. Desert, okay. Uh, Return of the Jedi was filmed in Arizona. What? Oh, I would have thought the same thing, Jessica. Yeah. That was hard. You know, the hard part is it doesn't mean they were in the film. They were in Colorado, right? They just happen to be there. But all right, we got three more left. Uh, a couple more comedies here. We've got uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure in 1989, <laughs> and we have Christmas Vacation in 1989. Which one was oh, filmed man. in Colorado? Freaks, mm. any idea? I Christmas think vacation. Christmas Vacation. That's what I think too. Yeah, I do too. Christmas vacation. Yeah. That would be yeah. correct. <laughs> Very good. All right. A couple more 80s films here. We've got uh, War Games, 1983, with Matthew Broderick. And we have Revenge of the uh, the Nerds, 1984, <laughs> with I don't know who was in what that. What the movie. fuck's a thrush? <laughs> Did anybody remember that? What the fuck's a thrush? Oh, well, never mind. Okay. I don't remember that. I saw the movie. I don't remember that. Revenge of the Nerds. That's my vote. Revenge of the Nerds. <laughs> that would be incorrect. It was War Games uh, that was filmed in Colorado. And then uh, uh, here's kind of the last one. Uh, a couple of 60s and 70s movies, Maz. Uh, this is up your alley. Go ahead, got, Kim. Say it again. Say it again. Planet, Planet of the Apes, uh, 1968. Or we have oh, Every Which Way Lord. But Loose. 1978. That's crazy. Aww. So a Clint Eastwood film or a uh, who was who was Planet of the Apes? Uh, Charlton Heston. Charlton Heston. Yeah. Charlton Heston. Ooh, what do you guys think? I think Clint Eastwood film. Okay. Well, the zip it. Mm -hmm. so, I'm <laughs> <laughs> so every which way but loose. Is that what yeah. you're saying? Mm -hmm. That hey. would that would be correct. Very good. Now here, here's a gimme. This is a gimme. Are you ready for this one? Hopefully. Okay. <laughs> Uh, 1995 film with Andy Garcia, Christopher Walken, and Steve Buscemi called Things to Do in Denver When You're Dead <laughs> or the Nicolas Cage flick in 1987 called Raising Arizona. One was filmed in Colorado. One was filmed There's in a movie called Things to Do in Denver When You're Dead? There is. <laughs> that's it, it must be a mob right, movie. because it's, it's not skiing, just to let you know. Because with <laughs> Andy Garcia, Christopher Walker, and Steve Buscemi, I'd figure it's got to be some kind of uh, watch that. mob yeah, mob film. But you, So you said Things to Do in Denver When You're Dead? <laughs> yes. And there that would be go. correct. Yeah. Well done. I was tough. <laughs> you know, I, I, I figured I'd, I'd throw an easy one in there because if you didn't do very well, at least you'd finish on a high note. You did, you did outstanding. Yeah. I think you only you missed a couple. And, 
Only oh, like man. two of those movies were out when I went to Wild. Oh my god! Man, Mr. and Mrs. Smith and whatever was in 2013. Everything else. Hey, hey MJ, it's really loud. <laughs> so all so all that means is that either they are not filming films in Arizona or Colorado anymore, or just not any good ones that people would know yeah. uh, what they they're are. all filmed anyway. in Atlanta. They are. They're all in Atlanta. <laughs> all My right. cousin so, was an extra yeah, on something. So thank uh, oh, thanks for playing along, Jessica. Well done. Well done oh, on that. Nice we're guy. we're gonna well go done. ahead and we're gonna take our final break with our tornado talk segment, and uh, we're gonna be right back with some weather fools. The April 2011 super outbreak occurred between April 25th and the 28th. Per an article by the National Center for Environmental Information, there were 362 tornadoes during that time frame that resulted in $11 billion in damages and an estimated 321 people lost their lives. Between 7 a.m. Central Daylight Time on April 27th until 7 a.m. Central Time on the 28th, 175 tornadoes occurred. For the Storm Prediction Center, this is the greatest outbreak of tornadoes on record for a one-day period. 11 of the 175 tornadoes were rated EF4, and four were given an EF5 rating. This tornado history segment looks at one of those catastrophic EF5 tornadoes. The path length was 132 miles. It reached a maximum width of 1.25 miles. 145 injuries were reported, and 72 people were killed. This massive twister began west of Alabama Highway 19 near Sipsy Creek in Marion County. There was significant tree damage at the beginning of the path. It continued off to the northeast and strengthened to EF4 status just southwest of Hackleburg. The tornado tracked parallel to U.S. Highway 43 toward the town and strengthened even more. It was now an EF5 with winds up to 210 miles per hour. Several neighborhoods and businesses, the Hackleburg High School, Middle School, and the Elementary School were all destroyed. Vehicles were tossed up to 200 yards. A well-built home with four brick sides was completely leveled, and the debris from the home was tossed over 40 yards to the north. This violent, long-track tornado moved into southern Franklin County and devastated the community of Phil Campbell. It was still producing EF5 damage. For the National Weather Service survey along Bonner Street, multiple block homes were leveled to the ground with the block foundations destroyed. A 25-foot section of pavement was sucked up and scattered, and chunks of the pavement was found in a home over one-third of a mile down the road. The tornado moved away from this area and toward the Oak Grove community. For the National Weather Service, quote, the tornado at this point may have reached a relative maximum in intensity well into the EF5 category as the damage was slightly more intense and the path width was a maximum of greater than one mile. There was a large area of destruction in this area, especially along County Road 38 and Smith Lane. A well-constructed home here with extensive anchoring was carried well away from the site. And there was also a Corvette that was mangled and thrown at 641 feet. That was officially measured. The twister continued a northeasterly track into Lawrence County, still producing EF5 damage. This was found in the Mount Hope area. Single-family homes and a restaurant were leveled. As the tornado continued to move off to the northeast, it did weaken slightly, but still was bringing down TVA high-voltage power line trusses. North of the Moulton area, the tornado strengthened again to high-end EF4. Multiple homes were destroyed in this area, and several cars were tossed into a field and found wrapped around trees. The tornado briefly crossed into rural areas of northwestern Morgan County, and low-end EF3 tree and vegetation damage was found here. 
tornado crossed the Tennessee River and into Limestone County, and it strengthened once again, producing EF4 damage. Several well-constructed homes with anchor bolting was completely wiped clean, and one home had the debris lofted over 300 yards, with large items carried completely away. There was intense ground scarring also noted in this area. The long-track tornado moved into Madison County, producing mainly EF3 damage, but there was an area of EF4 damage in Anderson Hills. For the National Weather Service, the tornado either weakened or may have briefly lifted in the northeastern part of Madison County. It then re-strengthened as it moved into Lincoln County, Tennessee. The damage there was minor. As it continued into Franklin County, Tennessee, more significant damage occurred. Some EF2 damage found southwest of the Huntland area, and then EF3 damage was found at a farm complex. The tornado finally dissipated east of Huntland. While researching this event, I read about a documentary called I'm with Phil. In the early part of 2011, a gentleman from Brooklyn, New York, with the name Phil Campbell, started organizing a convention for the 100th anniversary of the town Phil Campbell. Who would be invited? People around the world with the name of Phil Campbell. The plans for the convention, though, were soon interrupted by the EF5 of April 27, 2011. After the devastation that left 27 killed in the community, another Phil Campbell from Nottingham, England, had an idea. Why not have all Phil Campbells that were coming in for the convention help their namesake town rebuild? The documentary is about how the convention turned into a recovery effort. Details on this event from the National Weather Service offices in Birmingham and Huntsville. Explore more tornado history at tornadotalk.com or follow us on social media. Hey, it's Ginger Z from ABC News, and you are listening to the Stormfront Freaks Podcast. Welcome to Pinkle. Uh, so we're moving on to our favorite segment, Weather Fools, um, a.k.a. the segment of people who don't know how to look at the sky and realize that stuff's going on. So for those of you that don't know, Weather Fools is just that kind of time where we describe foolish things that people do in inclement weather activities. And uh, I believe Kim has a couple. So here we are at CNN.com, and um, they're talking about the Weather Channel being knocked off the air by malicious software attack. So I think whoever did this is a weather fool. Um, The Weather Channel actually had to go to weather.com and um, do their broadcasting from weather.com today while they were investigating what happened here. So that's my first weather fool, okay? I don't know what the latest is with if they're back on right now, but um, it's just crazy to think that, I mean, the Weather Channel is so vital to safety, you know, especially this time of the year that somebody would do something like that is just mind boggling to me. I don't know what you guys think, but. Is, is that video still a CNN commercial? It is still a commercial. Okay. <laughs> what is it for? Is it lighting? Are we, are we gonna eventually uh, see the video? There's no video. Eventually, be dinosaurs on the. What would you here? watch on the video anyway of a malicious mal- malware attack? <laughs> People like, typing. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Because they knock the air. So, 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 
CNN says it started at six o'clock in the morning. So they were running, rerunning things, um, tape shows until they were able to get people over to uh, the other uh, weather.com to get people there in their studio to actually broadcast. So you think it can't happen to you? It surely can. That's kind of 6 a.m. Yeah. Who doesn't wake up like, okay, I'm going to wake up early tomorrow. I'm going to Russia. That's got to narrow down the hackers. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to be like 8 p.m. there. there. Mm. Uh Somebody was colluding. Somebody was colluding. Okay. All right. Now, uh, here's the second one. We just lost all our Russian viewers. Yeah, we did. (laughs) China's still on. (laughs) All right, guys. All right, Phil. (laughs) You know you were talking about all the hail. People were doing crazy things. Yes. If you go to this website, it's it's WQAD. Um, This is out of Texas. And they actually are showing some pictures of what people have done to try to protect their cars from the hail damage they were expecting. And you can see this one picture. They must have taken every cushion out of their house. Look at that. It's right in front of their garage door, too. It is, exactly. And strapped it all across their car. And there's actually one they put blankets. This one is a, look at this expensive car. It's a racing car. And they just put blankets over the top of it. But what's cool about this too, and this one is my favorite. Of course, those won't blow off. No, No, exactly. This guy put some beach towels over the windshield (laughs) and um, maybe a yoga mat. I can't tell what it is. But actually the TV station went out and they tested these things. Um, they had a TV, I mean, a baseball crew come out and throw fast pitches at windshields that actually had these things on it. God, and I hope they got permission the video, for it. They did. They went to like a junkyard. They went oh, to like a junkyard. Oh, okay. And they had a police officer there who was actually, um, he was getting how fast the ball was going. So they knew um, they were throwing baseballs at it. And they showed that actually those, um, the inflatables that you talked about, Phil, actually worked. The oh, other yeah. one did well, not. Um, the yoga mat, the towels and stuff. How'd, how'd that Dollar Tree uh, beach towel do? Yeah, <laughs> it did do well. I got to do what I can to protect my truck. <laughs> and I thought, well, maybe just to protect from the water getting it. I'm not sure what the thinking was, but you know just how people <laughs> tape windows. I don't know. But anyway, those are my weather fools, you guys. Oh, I'll God. send it back to you. Okay, there you go. Okay, and Phil, you said you got one? So I got a weather fool, uh, which which this was uh, from James Spann's Twitter account. This was uh, a, a little while back, but what what had happened was he uh, this was a tweet. What's the date on this? Uh, I'm looking at uh, April seventh, and he said uh, stated last night at Wilsonville, which is I assume is in Alabama. Yep, it's time to go inside, and so it's basically someone that's out on their front porch, and there must there's a lightning storm going on. And if you watch the video, you'll see a couple lightning flashes and then it starts a fire. So I'll, I'll play that play that for you again. Um, the challenge that I can't show you or, or let you oh. listen to is while all this was going on, all of a sudden you hear this little girl start screaming and mm-hmm. crying. And I'm thinking, yep, that's what you do during a lightning storm. Let's take my little daughter out. Uh, mm. Let's watch this cool lightning storm because I'm sure this will help her not be afraid of lightning anymore. <laughs> sure. And of course, something strikes like, you know, I would say that's maybe 50 feet yeah. uh, to 100 feet from where oh, they are. Kind of oh, starts wow. a fire. Uh, it's, and it's freaking the kid out, which, of course, it would freak the heck out of me. 
Yeah. yeah. So I, I have no idea why you would do that, but that that's my weather fool. That's not going to help your kid get over storms. Well, uh, don't yeah. stand under trees. Don't yeah, don't do yeah. that either. I, I my guess is I think they were probably on their porch or right outside their house, but oh, there's okay. trees all over the place. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Right. That's well, a good one. We got some good fools for you tonight. And you can always catch these these fools on our show notes, episode 77 show notes, or you can go um at you know at Stormfront Freaks, look at the show notes, or you can go on your favorite podcast app and check those show notes out. I can say be, it actually be is better than Freaks.com. Yeah, it actually is better than last what did, week. What did Morgan. I say? Oh, oh, 100%. Yeah, that says a lot. That See, this time the intro was bad, but the outro was not too bad. No. Last time they were both bad. It's all I, good. Know, I, and I think hey, you, no, you I carried mean, I over gotta... a little of your, your southern drawl. Uh, there's some fools draw. for you. There's some, some fools. Hey, for y'all. All right. You guys let's, should hear uh, me let's... give my grandma voice. Oh. We're, we're going past Butter. that. We're moving on. Maz, uh, right. WX Resources. What do you Time got? now for everyone's yeah. second favorite segment. Right, <laughs> yeah. Morgan? Well, I think it's going to become number one pretty soon. It, it could. Yeah, it I'm could. just going to ruin it for y'all. Yep. It's what we call WX resources. And for the layman, WX stands for weather. Just letting you know. Okay. So weather resources, places you can find new stuff, new technology, whatever, apps, it's all there. And uh, Phil, you've got one. I'm going to have you start this one. So I've, I've got my WX resource. So uh, some people know I work up at uh, Miami University, Miami of Ohio, uh, and uh, in their athletic department. And we started uh, about a year ago, we started the process of becoming a storm-ready university. And uh, so I was working with the um, Miami Police Department, and uh, we actually just today that was just presented to the university that uh, we are now storm ready through the National Weather Service. Cool. Uh, it's a great program, and I encourage you uh, just search storm ready uh, or NWS storm ready. Uh, Google that, and they've got a whole page on how to do it, and you can be uh, an institution, you can be a city, you can be a county, you can be a business. Um, and all you have to do is just meet certain standards that the National Weather Service has for how you get watches and warnings and that kind of information. And then how do you disseminate that to your populace, whether it's a, again, a city, a county, a institution, a business, whatever it might be. Uh, it's great. It's a great way to just make sure you're in line with uh, the National Weather Service with uh, how you get the information and how you disseminate it. At a great university, too. That's a great, nice campus. Oh, it's a beautiful campus. Yep. Oh my gosh. It was my son's second choice, just to let you know, <laughs> out of all the schools. Yeah. So we describe Miami as the preppy yeah. um, school of Ohio. I think Bill Hemmer went Fence there. Film. Mm -hmm. You're welcome. Did I you know the side, there. I didn't go to school there? The sidewalks are heated. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> yeah, the sidewalks really? are heated. Yeah, they really now are. I Actually, that I did. I mean. Yep. Yep. So is that Houston in, Woods up there? Yes. Okay. Yep. Okay. State Park. Yep. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you, Phil. Hey, I've found one and it's really cool. So, Jessica. Congratulations, Matt. Oh, I see how you are. Okay. Yes. All right. I got this. So, Jessica, you were talking about going to schools. And it's when I was on weather, it was a long, long time ago. We didn't have any kind of resources at all to use except like a chalkboard or maybe you took a picture of something, and, you know, <laughs> right. VHS, you know, something like that. A light like table. That. Yeah, thanks. So um, so I found a site that there's so many great sites out there, but I'm going to see if I can share this with you. So this is on, it's called SciJinks, S-C-I-J-I-N-K-S dot gov. 
And uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff on here, but one of the things I found, which I've been playing around with, it's kind of fun. I think it's in the in the games section, but can you see this okay? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah okay, yeah. so this has a picture, it's called Gross Snow Crystals. So, you, you know, in the school books, we used to get all of our, our textbooks and stuff and be like, oh, here's a, here's a plate, oh, here's a, you know, whatever crystal. You can actually grow them. So it says to choose a temperature zone inside. So I'll choose this one and it shows what the crystal would look like at that temperature. And then you say, okay, well, let's move up to here. Then it adds that to it. So you get the, and you get, okay, I'm going to come back up to here. And now it changes the crystal. So they look like that. Oh, and I know yeah. it's tough to see for people because oh. it's the podcast version, but we'll put this on our, our show notes. But I mean, you can only do so many. It says, oh, sorry, that's too many it's, layers. It's like Legos or Tinker Toys or, or yeah. Lincoln Logs. Like yeah, so you could start one and come down to the other one down here. I mean, it, I mean, it's oh. got to be an infinite number of possibilities. Cool. And, oh, no, two snowflakes. That's really cool. Isn't that great? That is really neat. So there's a lot of really neat learning things for the kids and, and actually for meteorologists to take out to schools oh, and yeah. show. And that might be one that the school systems might want to use as well. Once you show it to them, they'll, they'll Jessica, they'll think it's yours. And you'll be like, Oh, thanks Jessica. <laughs> I so, wish I invented that. <laughs> so I know. Isn't that cool? So there's a whole that bunch of stuff cool. on here and, and it's multimedia. Um, I clicked on the mystery of tornadoes and I found this fascinating because as I went to it, Hey, Look who comes up here in Samaras. So they've got uh, him Aww. going through about three minutes and 47 seconds of talking about how tornadoes from so many great things on there. You guys, I'm just really excited about that. That's site. Cool. That is S C I J I N K S dot gov. And there's a whole bunch of stuff on the left that you can actually click. All right. So isn't that neat? Good job, yeah, man. Thanks. Good find. I come up with mm -hmm. stuff anyway. <laughs> so you can, if you miss that or you miss the spelling or whatever, you can go to episode 77 show notes on stormfrontfreaks.com um, or on your podcast app on your phone and you'll be getting all that information. Right, Phil? That's right. Sounds good. All right. Well done. All right. Let's hit our freak fan box, MJ. What, what do we got in there? Well, you know, I, uh, I, I apparently I missed a few because I took it out, took the box out, I flipped it over and shook it, and a bunch fell out. So we're gonna uh, talk about all those folks. Uh, we appreciate you checking. It's, it like, it's like our elementary Valentine's Day boxes. <laughs> right, people exactly. flip in our freak fan box. Little little <laughs> Billy didn't get one. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but Barker Owens checked in a couple of times and said, uh, "Great show tonight. Thanks for another great episode. And uh, knowledge and comedy can't get much better than that. If you want to listen to a podcast, we always <laughs> thank Parker for his uh, generous comments. Thank you, Parker. Wait, it's not that even over nice. yet. How can he send that? Well, yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, he can get real stupid. We don't have Samantha to B. Watson Baker checked in on uh, Facebook. Love, love, love. I'm a weather freak myself. Perfect podcast for me." And a perfect nice. podcast for you as well. Yeah. Yes. For sure. I like it. I'm, that means I Jessica should. is now officially a freak. Right? Yeah. That is correct. That is correct. That's right. A freak driving out in a pimpet. Yeah. And, a freak in the beast. <laughs> <laughs> I need another young folk out here. And, uh, <laughs> Lucas, oh, Morgan. <laughs> Lucas Robert O'Brien checked out too. Outstanding episode. Well done. So thank you, Lucas. Who, who is that? Lucas Robert O'Brien? Lucas Robert O'Brien. Wow. Nice. Yep. Another so Lucas wants cool. these affinities. Um, yeah, a good Italian. I like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's our that's our fan box check-ins uh, for this episode. Thanks for doing that. 
Uh, you can uh, check in with us on Twitter. We're at Stormfront Freak. You can check out Facebook.com slash Stormfront Freaks or do an email at questions at stormfrontfreaks.com. Awesome. Lots of, way, lots of ways to reach out. I think this just about does it for this episode of Stormfront Freaks podcast. Thanks for listening or watching. Before I reveal our next guest, if you enjoy our show, do us a favor and leave a great review on your podcast app. And don't forget to subscribe to the show by hitting that little uh, podcast app subscribe button on your app. Works just like a magazine or newspaper subscription. It's free, and it assures you get the latest show delivered right to your podcast inbox uh, the moment that that gets released, and you get all these great uh, southern accents from Morgan. Uh, <laughs> I, I do want to uh, throw out a special shout-out and thanks to our guest tonight, Jessica LaBelle. Thank hey. you. Hey. Thanks, Jess. Great so job. We had a great time with you on. And our next episode uh, in two weeks, we're a bi-ca- uh, bi-castly, bi-weekly program. <laughs> we're going to be recording May 2nd with John Moss of the new Fantasy Weather Battle, oh, which yeah. is a fantasy forecasting app that you can win money at. So you guys know yeah. fantasy baseball and football. Yeah. and Same thing, This is, but it's a forecasting app. You can uh, throw some money down, and if you're one of the better – forecasters you can make money on this so it'll be out yeah it's kind (laughs) of cool so we're gonna have him on talking about that it's uh they just released their app recently so if you'd like to watch the recording live at 9 p.m eastern 8 central check out our youtube channel by searching stormfront freaks so for mj and maz uh morgan kim and jessica i'm gonna go ahead and signal the all clear and we'll catch you guys next time good night everybody good night everybody Thank you for listening to the Stormfront Freaks podcast. Find our bi-weekly show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Watch our shows on YouTube and Oklahoma Weather Tracker TV. For show notes, additional information about this episode, as well as past and upcoming shows, videos, photos, merchandise, and more, visit our website at stormfrontfreaks.com. While you're there, check out our live interactive Storm Chaser radar provided by our friends at zoomradar.com. If you would like to contact us with questions or make comments about the show, shoot us an email to questions at stormfrontfreaks.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook. Search for Stormfront Freaks. We'd love to hear from you. Join us next time and tell a friend about the Stormfront Freaks podcast.